Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience. My name is Cameron Eileen Maharet Terrell, a.k.a. Tranos. Say that shit with your whole chest or I'll pop you one fam. This is Tranos and the Lived Experience, uh, the, the show that believes that Rochester is indeed the upside down. Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you all, as always, by the meeting of music and marijuana. Today's strain is none other than Khalifa Kush. Uh, I would tell you a bit about this plant, but I'm super high on it right now. So let's just say, let's just take a look. I want to, I want to make sure that you know what this is about. Khalifa Kush, also known as KK, a Wiz Khalifa. And Wiz Khalifa OG is a hybrid marijuana strain that was bred specifically for the rapper. I hope to one day, um, Get, get to that level of fame. That's the only level of fame that you should have. Like once you get a strain of marijuana named after you in my book, that's like being a billionaire, um, but n- not to draw on any longer. And today's inspirational song of interest that I've been listening to nonstop in preparance for me to become a verbal serial killer of the chronically racist is Stabbing in the Dark by Ice Nine Kills. So let's get into it. It's, it this is super, like super, super weird. I want to talk about the Juneteenth party that was held on July 7th in Rochester, New York. Now you hear me talk about Rochester, New York a lot, not just because I'm from here, but just because we're always in the national news. Like this place is literally cursed. Like we literally have like three national news articles a year for like the last like five years. And if you want me to like reiterate them, just look through our catalog. We have episodes about police brutality, police putting a handcuffs on a little girl, a nine-year-old girl and like putting her in a car and macing her. Um, We have, uh, our former mayor who helped cover up uh, um, a murder. I can't even say it any other way. I'm, I'm looking at someone like worried, like, and are we going to get in trouble for this? Probably not. Probably not. Because like, we can't get in trouble for telling the truth. With that being said, there was a Juneteenth party on July 7th that was hold, held by the Nicosia family. Um, they're like a prominent family in Rochester. And just to like it reiterate, Rochester's super racist. And it's, it's so finely like a red line that like I live like literally around the corner from these people and I, I live in poverty and I live a literally, literally a stone's throw from where this party took place. Now, what was reported was that a black fireman, a fireman Jones was requested to go to this party. Well, well told that he should go to this party by his captain from the Rochester fire department, Rochester being what it is. It's, it's very covert here. Like, yes, people think that um, New York is a liberal progressive place, but when it comes to like how red, like we're like the, the, the blue in the sea of red here. Like we're just the sheer numbers of New Yorkers in the city and Rochesterians is literally like the progressive hold 
on New York State, just the sheer numbers, but like as in relative to each other, we're six hours away from each other. So the most progressive place beyond Rochester would be Buffalo and Buffalo's hella racist. I've been saying that. I put that on the episode. And if, if you got heat for what I said, then do your history. And then Koja family threw what they called a political party. Now, let's talk about this random ass news conference they had. They had a, a news press conference four days ago because the privilege of being able to be wholly racist, being caught doing it, and then booking a hotel conference room so that you can have a discussion about how not racist you are. Now let's get into some of the effects of this conversation. Once again, Dr. Nicholas Nicosia and his wife, Mary Zadarsik Nicosia, discussed the accusations at this news conference that happened on Monday as I am not a racist person, which uh, racist people say all the time. Uh, hello, racist people. Uh, y'all say that all the time. It's not believable. Actions are what make you racist, not like your uh, perception of what racism is. I like I really because first they walked into this conference and they pretended like they didn't know about like extreme stereotyping regarding like chicken and uh, the, the mentioning of Colonel Sanders and uh, passing out cognac at this party. So Mr. Jones, the fire department, um, he was a fire a fireman. He was told by his captain, I can't pronounce his name and fuck him anyway. He resigned so he didn't have to get any backlash which is bullshit. He should still be held on the line for this. Like he shouldn't get his pension for what he did. You don't get to resign and keep your pension after being a fucking racist, like a whole racist out loud. I want to read a quote here. Like, like, but, well, let me get back into it. Cause I'm all over the place. I'm, 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 it's, it's maddening. It's, it's surprising, but it's not. And it's super bizarre. Like this whole press conference was the most bizarre thing I've ever watched in my life. Their attorney, Corey Hogan stood up and uh, exonerated these two people as someone who has never been racist and challenged the press and the community uh, to do a background check in search of anything that would make these two people racist. And uh, without fail, without fail, what was reported at this party, though, is there was Juneteenth signs. There were pictures of politicians placed on like cemetery sticks to like mimic like a grave site. Uh, they passed out Kentucky Fried Chicken and bottles of cognac. It was supposed to be a political party. I don't know what the fuck that means because the, to think that racism doesn't play a huge part in politics in 2022 is the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's an avoided buzzword that people use. I'm not racist. I'm not political. Well, well if you're having political parties where you're making fun of other people, based solely on stereotypes and the color of their skin and cultural significance, like the history of like slavery and like disenfranchisement and all those things. If you're doing those kind of things, you, I'm, I'm sorry, you're racist. You had an entire party. You planned an entire party. And then one of the arguments that attorney Corey Hogan made was, uh, he said it out loud. He said the, the quiet part out loud. He said, and I quote, are black people the only people allowed to celebrate Juneteenth? And my answer is, uh, since you are selling, celebrating it on July 7th, you're not actually celebrating Juneteenth. But if you were to be trying to celebrate Juneteenth, my answer would be no. I don't think white people should be celebrating the fact that Texas waited longer than court ordered, than a constitutionally ordered to free slaves. Juneteenth for us is a beacon because we get to look back in the past and see that we persevered. Even when we persevered, we were still being punished somehow. They were still allowed to break rules and, and dehumanize us. The fact that Juneteenth happened in Texas and like literally people weren't told for almost like two years after slavery was over, 
that they were free is a travesty and white people celebrating that it it rubs me the wrong way so no i don't think you can i i know there's going to be some coon out there who's going to be like it's for everyone it's a national holiday but like give me a reason why a white person would be celebrating that and like leave the cliche ones out you know what i mean like leave the cliche reasons that you would use out like look because of the progression that we've made so far for because we're still killing black people and trans people and queer people at alarming rates. And we're still like governing and legislating people in and out of existence. So where's the progression? Where's the progression? But not to get off topic. Uh, like I said, uh, the attorney, Mr. Mr. Hogan, he decided that he was going to challenge the press conference to find a single thing about these two fifty plus year old rich white people who live on the upper crest of the East Avenue neighborhood in Rochester, which is literally a street lined with millionaires. It's just a, a huge street full of churches and millionaires. And and if you go up far enough, there's a Wegmans, a, a Wendy's, and a a, a old fashioned submarine shop, Debella's. Uh, but mostly, it's just fucking rich people. And within like twenty five minutes of him making this challenge. Mary Nicosia decides that she's going to stand up, vehemently deny being a racist and the accusations of being called a racist. But before finishing doing that, she states that she did make blatantly offensive and racist tweets and wanted to apologize to the community for that. And then we were just supposed to sit there and be like, there's no correlation. There's no correlation between you ordering Kentucky Fried Chicken on a, for a July 7th Juneteenth party and your Twitter handle being Colonel Nathaniel Sanders. There's no correlation between that. There's no correlation between you passing out cognac and, and, and you speaking in um, caricatured av on Twitter. She said that that's part of the charm of Twitter. The charm of Twitter is you're allowed to uh, um, anonymously be racist. That's what I heard. D didn't you hear that? Or are we still in the fucking upside down? Is right supposed to be left now? Are we supposed to like eat that shit up? Was that, I don't think she thought this through. And I'm pretty sure it's four days later and she's like sitting there like, fuck. Like she's just realizing that like what she went out there and did, but they're going to double down on it. You know, they are because that's what they do. It's just astounding to me. It the, the whole thing was bizarre to get up there. And then like our families have been attacked. And I think, uh, what is it? Uh, Dr. Nicholas, <laughs> Nicole just said, and I quote, cancel culture is cruel. Now, I talked to y'all about cancel culture in a past episode, and I stated that this kind of thing would be a defense that people would use now that they have a buzzword like cancel culture. This is not cancel culture, uh, Dr. Nicosia. This is called um, repercussions. We live in a society now that is moving towards, or at least trying to, fighting with every breath we have to move towards a time in, in, in an era where like people who think like you aren't so easy to like push their opinions on others or gather their hatred towards others or assume uh, a power that they can wield over others. So when you say things and you do things like, and I'm not going to use the word aloud, like you sat by and watched your wife do, cause she tried to like 
negate your uh, responsibility in a matter, but you're responsible as well. When you sit idly by, then you get to reap the benefits of sitting idly by. That's, that's a choice you made as well. The inaction to stop uh, mild racism, even in its joking form, is racism. Is racism. The fact that we have to explain, in, um, Mary Nicole just said she didn't understand the correlation between uh, the Kentucky Fried Chicken. She said she's heard of it, but that's not the reason why she bought it. She bought it because it was an easy meal. I don't know where she had to go to get Hennessy because, like I said, Rochester is very segregated. And you can tell what demographic of people live in that neighborhood by simply looking at the shelves of a liquor store. It's super stereotyped. Like you'll go to some some liquor stores and you'll see that there's like uh, white wine. You're on Park Avenue. If white wine is the featured beverage alcohol behind the counter, you are on Park Avenue. If you go and you get a bottle of E&J, you are in what was called the Bull's Head District. That is primarily black people. If you are, if you walk in and you see Jose Cuervo is being centered, you are most likely in like border uh, North Clinton slash Arondecoit. If you order Hennessy, you on the east side. Those sides are segregated. So you can guess what people live in those neighborhoods just based upon what they are offering liquor-wise. If you go out to Chai Lai, you're going to see start seeing uh, things where they're like doing like these really weird like hopsy beers, like artisan beers. If you're on Park Avenue, you're going to see like d- deeper down, it's going to be like barreled malt whiskey and shit like that. Like we're literally super segregated. So for her not to know that on a on a national scale that black people consume Hennessy and have a relationship with Hennessy and that it is oftentimes used against them as a stereotype, then why'd you all of a sudden buy bottles and bottles and bottles of Hennessy out of nowhere? Have you drank Hennessy before? I, I, I assure you this woman has never drank Hennessy by herself. I'm, she never went and went to the store and got like a bottle of Hennessy by herself. I, I, I guarantee it. It's the gymnastics, the mental gymnastics. And and shout out to Corey Hogan for being a controlled shyster. My man's jaw was rocking like he had did the first Coke that was ever cooked. Like he his shit was moving left and right. You can't see me. I'm fucking imitating him. But like, yeah, he 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 was standing there and talking. And if you watch the press conference back, please do yourself a favor and listen to me while you watch this. <laughs> while you watch this press conference. And then when you hear this part, make sure that you are paying attention to the attorney's mouth for the rest of the conversation that he is having. His jaw is rocking back and forth like he snorted first recipe, like he touched the first fallen snow. To insinuate that they didn't know the correlations or stereotypes all of a sudden and that they were just trying to celebrate Juneteenth by mocking it. And we didn't even talk about the fact that they like had a city employee here. Her name is Rachel Barnhart, and like she's she's progressive, and a lot of people have a problem with that. They also have a problem with her being a woman that's not fifty five years old, that's opinionated and wants to like help other people. Now, I'm not like I'm not endorsing anyone here. I'm just stating the facts. Like, 
uh, we come from two different worlds. Uh, me and Rachel Barnhart are completely different people. We have some views that inter intertwine, but we have perspectives that don't touch each other. But at the same time, I, I, I err on the side of respect when talking about her. They had an uh, uh, imitator, an uh, impersonator of her at this party, supposedly, like, making sexual comments and and and... and it was supposed to be a lampoon of her. It was completely disrespectful. <laughs> it's not even the first time that something like that has happened this week. Uh, Rachel Barnhart being a redhead. And then there is another, uh, and I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. I will have it referenced in the notes for the episode. But um, yeah, we have another assemblyman. Um, his name is Jose Peo, who decided to make disparaging, misogynistic, sexually charged comments about another person. Like Rochester is literally like the political racist upside down. We have this real air for telling people that we're a real progressive city. But the undertones of racism is like Ghostbusters, too. You have to be really old to know what I'm talking about now. There used to be this ooze in um, Ghostbusters, too, that ran underneath the city. And it was like charged on negativity. Ours is charged on racism. Watch plug. Watch, just go watch Ghostbusters 2. Pause this and go watch Ghostbusters 2. I'll, come back. I'll wait. Hold on. While you're going to go tune that up, I don't know if you got like a Betamax or a VHS player. You might, I mean, I don't know if they have it on Uber. I mean, what what is it? Not Uber. Do they have it on like, um, uh, what's one of those sites? Netflix? Yeah, if they have it on Netflix, you could look you could look it up there. But I'm old, so I don't know nothing about that. I'm just going to use my VHS player. While you're doing that, I'm going to hit this marijuana. Give me a second. You already know what time it is. For everybody waiting in the background, we're gonna take a second now and we're gonna um we're gonna take that break, that adult break. You know the break that I take. If you hear click, click, cough, cough, be an adult about it. Here we go. Well. Yeah, like Rob, um, are you back? Did, did you queue it up already? Are you back? Did you watch the entire movie? You only had to watch a couple seconds. I should have told you. My bad. This guy, his name's Jose Pale. He made some disparaging comments that were misogynistic and racist. These people had an impersonator making misogynistic, like sexually charged comments about Mrs. Barnhart. Like how, like, like you, you planned a party around like being disparaging to people. Like the essence of that, even if you don't see it as racist, is still like dog shit person energy. Like... Like we had a political party we invited black people to and we decided we were just going to put unsafe things around from them and just expect them to like covertly master walking through our racism without telling us. Like this is a consequence you guys are, are seeing like and I don't want I don't wish I don't wish that anybody should be making threats on their children or anything like that. But they also stated that there were threats uh, made online toward their children about what's going on. And that is literally like it's it's utterly disgusting. I don't think threats to someone's family is uh, OK. And I'm not going to say but. It is part of the consequence, though. People are assuming that your children think like you and what we should be doing is appreciating that these children might now be learning a lesson from how they were brought up and how the how quickly the backlash from being your children and growing up around you encompassed them. They learned that that type of behavior is not tolerated by lots of people. Now, like I said, we do not accept threats on anyone, specifically anyone's children, and these are college-age children. But still, there's someone's child and you don't bear the brunt of your parents' sins. But you shouldn't. You should learn 
from what happens. Like, like a lot of the time, like this kind of thing will happen and it'll harden these races. Because what I'm believing that the Nicosia family is doing right now, because they're not taking any actual accountability for what they did. They want to already sue this man for defamation, but you can't defame something that actually happened. And you held a Juneteenth party on July 7th. You ordered large amounts of Kentucky Fried Chicken. You had an impersonator walking around. You had a field of dead progressive pictures of graves. I don't know what that had to do with Juneteenth. You had ropes hanging from things that were simulated nooses, I guess. Wow. Like hella, like hella problematic, but you're not racist. And then you expected for your covert abuse to just blow over. And then Mr. Jordan stepped up and told the truth. And now you're saying that he's defaming you. Like, so they didn't learn from this. They didn't learn from this at all. They're going to take the route of like the caught racist. They're going to double down on it. So what we're going to see in the future, just like now I told you, this is the upside down. This is literally the, the upside down. <laughs> um, do you guys remember when uh, Mayor Lovely Warren wrote a letter to the news station about, and I don't remember his name because he's a piece of shit, about that weatherman who used a slur during Martin Luther King Day? Like, he apologized for being racist, and then recently we saw him being racist at the January 6th. You see the correlation? You see what I just did? Like, you see what I'm showing you there? Like, they always upshift. Like, they upshift their racism when you call them out. When cancel culture, air quotes, because I'm saying repercussions calls. When repercussions call, they either disappear and try to revamp themselves and become more covert about their opinions, or they rev up and they make themselves the victims and they become even more engulfed in like straight up racism. The racism moves from being covert and inert to like in your face and very extreme. Like it's just going to jump up. And I, I, for not for nothing, um, these people had their hands in a lot of candy jars. Like the doctor was in on uh, several boards. I think he was on the medical board at Highland Hospital, which is a big hospital in Rochester. He resigned. Yeah, that's fine. Like he lost a little bit of power, but like they, they, what they did was they brought up those instances where I've been living here my whole life and I've been given so much money and so much time to the city. You can still be a racist person and do all of those things. You can still be a racist person and do all of those things. In fact, some racist people do those things so they have a coupon to be racist later. When they get caught being racist, they get to say, I did this and I did that and I was here and I was there. And I have these like like you have friends is one of the terms I have uh, the family members or half siblings or like, yeah, they'll, they'll do that kind of shit. That's what they're revving up to do. This defamation case is going to get thrown the fuck out because like, it's going to be based on what, like you heard our feelings. You told everybody we're racist when we really are. And all of this added to the fact that Mary stepped up and was like, yeah, I did some racist shit, but I'm not racist. Make it make sense. Y'all Rochester is racist through the looking glass. It's like, you come here and I, I, you have to, I, I wouldn't say you have to see it because it's garbage. And I'm reporting to you from the core of hell at least once, um, two times a month. <laughs> like I'm, I'm reporting it to you, but you could always come and visit. It's a, it's a beautiful place, so to speak. There's like really old buildings and really old structures. And then there's like this air of like leisure about some places in Rochester. There's rolling hills, parks, deciduous trees and all the other shit. But hey, our number one commodity, number one export is covert racism.
literally there's been like arguments about like even in the lgbt community we talked about it in a, a later episode in the lgbt community like yeah like they, this is a very progressive community it's a very together community it looks like it on the surface but it's segregated it's segregated that there's a reason why Rochester, New York has pride and then black pride. Racism is apparent. Racism, discrimination, lawsuits and happen all the time in Rochester, literally all the time in Rochester. Point at an organization and, and it happened there. LGBTQ discrimination in, in workplaces and all that other stuff happens. It happens everywhere. For us to act like we're super progressive and, and so liberal and then constantly be in the news for some borderline racist, homophobic shit is ridiculous. Like, do yourself a favor and just type in Rochester controversy and then sit back and enjoy. I hope you're smoking on something because it's depressing, especially if you live here. Like, so much shit is happening here. We've had teachers who have put handcuffs on kids here. We have men who make conspiracy theories that reach national news because it is passed on to some weird assembly or congressman who decides to use it. We've had riots. We've had police killing several people here. We have police uh, using sound cannons on protesters last year. And then we have these people who decided to throw a Juneteenth party in July. I just, I keep saying a Juneteenth party in July because like there's no reverence for Juneteenth. So let's just keep that shit funky. Like don't say, are black people the only people allowed to celebrate Juneteenth? Yeah, because we celebrate it with some reverence. You threw a black, you threw a Juneteenth party to celebrate a, a holiday regarding the releasing of what we thought were the last slaves in America, which we'll get into that in another episode. I'm not even going to fuck around with y'all today, but like you did it in July. Why, why'd you do it in July? Is there a reverence or a significance to you doing it in July? Or was that when you were like free from like riding in your yacht and like um, your wife making derogatory t uh, tweets? Uh, when, when did you have time to like, do some research on it because y'all you obviously are walking through this whole press conference like on the whole strength that you're saying we didn't know and we, we we've heard of those stereotypes but that's not what we're doing in for we're not racist but here's like a history of one of us specifically being overtly racist and using the tropes that popped up at this party but like we're being defamed and our family is hurting and cancel culture is cruel. Look, let me tell you all something. Miss me with the bullshit. Miss me with the bullshit. Like, I, I'm, it's tiring. It's tiring because now it's like a whole conversation now. But yeah, just do with that what you will. I got some more time on my hands. So I guess I'm going to handle something that I've been noticing on the internet as well. Um, internet beef. I've been surfing and like, uh, y'all remember Twisted T-Man. Y'all remember Twisted T-Man, right? So Twisted T-Man went to the gas station or local to go get, like, something to drink. My man looked like he was fresh out of work. He had a nice little sweater on, a chain, little pinky ring and shit like that. Haircut, you know what I'm saying? Looking clean, doing his thing. He's in the store. Somebody starts filming. Um, There's uh, this white boy in there who is yelling nigga at the top of his lungs, calling people nigga, pointing at people, calling them niggas. He was asked to stop. He said nobody could tell him to stop. He then brought up where he was from. Uh, he then started verbally attacking the man for asking him not to call him a nigger. Um, he continued to. Uh, the man look, looked like he was pondering, I'm not going to whoop this dude's ass. So he flips his can. He drops it. He goes to pick it up. The white boy, after calling him nigger again, goes to kick the can. Uh, Twisted T-Man becomes infamous and internet famous because he um, did what we all want to do. We, he did what we all should do in those situations, which is he dusted my man off. Like he, um, he made my man kiss the can. Um, Twisted T is, in my book, 
a registered weapon now. Like it's a weapon that we can use. It, it's like sunlight to them. Like it's it, sunlight. They have to hide from sunlight. They have to put lotion on themselves to protect themselves from the sun. They also have to hide from the wrath of a twisted tea can. Uh, so I'm on the internet today, and I'm not going to say this person's name, but I'm going to I'm going to put it out there. They was cooning. They was cooning. Um, they said something to the effect of, "This man was wrong because he could have used that time to educate this man." And talk to him about the significance of why that word was hurt, hurtful. And I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm tired of you coon niggas, you raccoon ass niggas out here tap dancing for white people and acting like we have to have uh, an infinite amount of cheeks to turn. We don't. We don't have an infinite amount of cheeks to turn. Uh, somebody um, also said, and this is a dear friend, they, they spoke to me about it. And they were like, I, I believe that I'm of the opinion that uh, there could have been more time taken. And I, I explained to my friend, shout out to my friend. Um, you know who you are. You, you, you listen. And I appreciate you for you talking to me. And we were able to talk about it. And I, you respect where I'm coming from. So I, I get that. My friend said to me that he was of the ilk that, and, and he mentioned, I'm not going to get into what he said, but he, he mentioned Dr. Martin Luther King, to which my retort is, a lot of people bring up Dr. Martin Luther King when we start talking about issues in which we should be peaceful in the face of violence. I want everybody to know that you, the use of the N-word by white men is exactly that. It's violence. They know how it makes us feel. They know when they can and cannot use it. They feel like using it when they feel safe. And because white men feel safe everywhere, uh, their read of the room is almost uh, 100% of the time wrong. It's almost 100% of the time wrong. And we're supposed to, in those moments when they are being in, in violent, the, the thought, like thought-provoked, like they sat there and they thought about what they were going to say, they weighed the consequences of it, and they decided they were going to use this weapon to incite people. And I know we're not supposed to be emotional. We're not supposed to feel. We walk around all day having to like stomach covert racism almost everywhere we go. We're being watched in parks. We're being watched when we're with our families. We're being watched when we're shopping. We're, we have to get weird comments from Karens who decide to tell us where to be. And then we get confronted by white boys who think because they lived in uh, adjacent to poverty that they're all of a sudden niggas. No, that's not. We've been telling y'all that for decades. Like just because you live in Brooklyn don't mean you get to say nigga. Just because you live off of Jefferson Avenue don't mean you get to say nigga. And for some reason they get to say it and then they're afforded an emotionally labored education from us and we're supposed to keep turning the other cheek and be patient with them but they're allowed to use violence um the first time and i'm gonna say it the first time i ever like socked a racist in a mouth was because I, I was young i was young too when it happened um it was i think my little sister she was super young i walked with her to the store my little sister bianca Shout out to Bianca, I love you. I don't even know if she remembers it. She was super young. Like we walked to a corner store at, near our grandmother's house because she lived in Henrietta, which was predominantly white at the time. So we had to walk to like a gas station. I get my sister to the store. She's with me. I'm holding her hand. She picks out her thing. I pick out my thing. I don't even remember what it was. That's how long it was. And some white boy called us like Jigaboo. And I recently learned what that was. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't think that's cool for you to say that in front of my sister. So I was like, hey, man, stop. Like, don't. I think I was like 13. 13 or no, I was. I, 
it, it was before she moved back to North Carolina. So she was probably like eight, something to that effect. I can't remember how old I was. But we walked to the store. The dude says this thing. I asked him not to. I told him my little sister's with me, and I don't want her learning that that's how people are going to talk to her. And he shrugged it off, shrugged it off. Now I go to go out the door. He calls me an uppity nigger. Um, I, I told my sister to stand outside of the store for a second. <laughs> and I got in trouble with my grandmother for this. It, it, it wasn't a lot of trouble. She yelled at me because we could have gotten real trouble in Henrietta, me being a black kid slapping a white kid in the store. I slapped the shit out of him. And he deserved it. He deserved it because he was asked not to do it. He put me in a situation where I had to teach my sister that she wasn't to be treated that way. And she wasn't to be talked to that way at all. And we know this already. We know, like white people know already that that word is not for them. And they keep using the same arguments and bringing up the same talking points. And y'all keep accommodating them. It is not the place of the oppressed to educate the oppressor. The reason why they shouldn't say nigger is in the origin of the people who created the word nigger. They created the word. They know when to use it. They know when not to use it. They know how to use it around. And when they choose to use it around you is because they believe that you are not human. And that nobody's going to care about how they treat you. And if you're sitting in a, a, a grocery store or a gas station and you're telling some man to stop this and stop that and everybody else is watching the same thing you're watching and no one says anything until you put hands on him, fuck all those people too. Stop cooning out here, yo. Stop cooning out here for them, yo. I was talking to my um friend, like my neighbor. We walk, we go for walks. And he is a, 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 a great dude. He's a cool dude. He's queer too. And we walk all the time. And I noticed that because he was raised in the suburbs, he was raised in a way that he doesn't want to create a bigger version of himself around white people. So I watch him sometimes shrink. And I tell him all the time, like, you don't have to do that. We're walking down the road and, and they turn the corner where we are. We don't have to move. We don't have to make space for them. If they're not going to do it for us, we shouldn't do it for them. If we walk into each other in a tidal wave of humanity, so be it. But I will not move to accommodate white people in my neighborhood. They get that accommodation everywhere in the world. I'm not giving it to them. I'm especially not giving it to them in instances of racism. If you are brave enough to utter the words nigger to me, you are your your shit must be ironclad. Your jaw must be made of granite. It must be made of like stronger things, steel, iron, ore, like some shit like that, because you're begging for it and I'm going to give it to you. There's a group of people out there who existed in the 80s and the, and the 70s and the, and, the, and the early 90s who we dealt with so much covert and like bullshit ass racism and the way it is carved, uh, carved us into this space and society that we're to be quiet all the time and we're to take the higher road all the time. And everyone's just like allowed trespasses. I do not allow trespasses. You shouldn't either. If you're brown and queer, you should not allow no trespasses. We are divine. They've told us for years that we're like we're less than, that, that we're other, and we are divine. That, that's why they had to make a whole structure to hold us down. It's about more than the word nigger. The racist tropes 
They jump through so many hoops to be hateful that they even throw July Juneteenth parties. They make anonymous Twitters to talk about us. They write petitions to like legislate us out of like existence. And that goes for black and queer people. They're doing it to black, queer and indigenous people. It's all rooted in the same thing. It's this hatred that they have that we should all be like them while also being envious of us. They envy the fact that we survive. No matter what they do, we survive. They envy the way the sun shines on us. They envy how creative and artistic we are. They envy how ultimately how intelligent we are and how ferocious they could have made us. So to my friend, I, I let him know when we're walking down the street, you hold your head up high. And if you decide to move, you decide to move because it is your way to move. You're not accommodating anyone. And to homeboy who's out here cooning on the internet, stop that. Stop that. They're never going to pick you. They're never going to pick you. I'm going to say it one more time. They are never going to pick you. Ultimately, we done ran out of cheeks, sir. That's why you keep seeing videos of people getting knocked the fuck out. Because ain't no more cheeks to turn. Brianna Taylor was a cheek that we turned. My little cousin, that's a cheek that we turned. My cousin Shalanda, that's a cheek that we turned. My uncles and aunts having to live menially because they were held back in a time where they were given a glass ceiling. We, we have no more cheeks to turn. While we out here struggling, trying to survive and, and build generational wealth for our families, they throw in thousand dollar parties mocking us. We have no more cheeks to turn. Stop cooning. Stop cooning. You goofy as shit. Stop, stop fucking cooning. I know you hear me. Why can't we get to a place where we love from both sides? Let me tell y'all something. Now we're required to love our oppressor. You hear you now we're required to love our oppressor. It's like a battered woman being told that she should stay battered because she's in love. We love this country, it don't love us back. We fought and helped create this country more so than the people who hold us down. And here we are in 2022, and we got to bear witness to shit like firefighters being invited, the only black firefighter being invited to an all-white racist party held blocks away from the city limits. They, had a, they threw a party to mock us. To mock liberals, to mock snowflakes. They have time to party and do that kind of shit. They should use that time to educate themselves. That's why I don't, I, you can't require me to give you an education. You don't have enough time to educate yourself because you're too busy being hateful. And you have to do it yourself. I don't have the energy. I have to I have to walk through this shit on a daily basis. I don't have the energy to wade in your shit and then teach you about it. You're perpetuating it. You learned it from somewhere. Unlearn it. I've seen so much of that shit in my time, and I had to look back on my time as a, a, a cosplayer, a male cosplayer. I had to look back on my time and, and, and look at how, how many times I made myself smaller. 
how many times I made myself smaller in the face of blatant racism because I didn't want any trouble. It happened so many times in my wrestling career where I had to make myself smaller. And even the smallest amount of pushback to me was like I like like cracked a nuclear keg to them. Me saying like, why do you allow racism? Or well, you saw how I was treated and I'm still being talked to about how I responded. Now, I don't have time for that. There's a lot of goofy ass coonery happening in professional wrestling too because some of these black kids feel outnumbered. So they start playing a playing the role. I've definitely seen white people do this kind of shit at parties and then play like they're not racist. I've definitely heard promoters use the N-word and get mad when they get punched. All of a sudden you're blackballed from an entire area because you don't deal with fascism. Racism, transphobia, misogyny, homophobia. You don't deal with any of that shit. So now you're black, you're blackballed because the boys are it's just jokes amongst the boys. You think that the all these things aren't tied in together, right? I've I've woven a tapestry for you and it's fueled completely by weed. You're welcome. The Nicosia family are racist at the bottom line of it. That that bizarre press conference proved it. You have all the, the evidence you need of racism in front of you. Now, how much gymnastics you gonna do? How much tumbling? you going to do to defend the bullshit. And also can like somebody call like Spangler or somebody and like, see if they'll come through um, and like test this place for like hate ooze, some shit like that. The Ghostbusters still got a phone number in New York. Man, with that being said, this has been Trenos and the lived experience. I'm your host, Cameron, Eileen, Maharet, Jarrell, AKA Trenos. Say that shit with your whole chest. Or I'll box you, Mike. And this has been Trenos in the lived experience, the show that um ain't got no more cheeks to turn. <laughs>